Poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Chasing Poker Greatness with your host, Brad Wilson. What is happening, my friend? Welcome to the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. Before we jump into the show, I'd like to take a second to let you know that if you would like to support Chasing Poker Greatness, you can head to EnhanceYourEdge.com slash resources. There will be a link in the show description. And if you sign up for any of the trusted services I've linked to, I'll get a small commission. You'll improve at poker. It's a win-win. You can also visit EnhanceYourEdge.com slash resources. The next time you're ready to do some online shopping at Amazon, just click through my Amazon banner and bingo, bango, bongo. I make a tiny commission and it doesn't cost you a penny. With that out of the way, today's episode features the round two of DGAF, the highly requested round two, I might add. DGAF is a good friend of mine who... I have battled with many times on the felt, one of the very few people that I consider one of the good guys in the live poker realm that just genuinely wants to do the right thing on a regular basis. We're going to jump into the Jungle Man saga, why neither one of us really care about the Jungle Man saga. We're going to jump into the pitfalls of online poker and why I have come to hate all of the online operators that are U.S. facing, and much, much more. So without any further ado, I bring to you my conversation with the man, the myth, the legend, DGAF. DGAF, how are we doing, sir? Uh, doing okay, Brad. How are you? I'm simmering and doing okay. It's... uh very bored in quarantine and you know yeah that was uh i saw that on twitter that you were simmering and as i mentioned to you just a minute ago when we linked up here on zoom i've never seen you uh simmer before uh i found it interesting i found it a little uh comforting in a weird way really comforting (laughs) just like you know you're just not 100% 100% nice and at peace with the world 100% of the time. Yeah, I, I think just seeing, seeing what online poker's turned into, that yesterday the poker community is cheering because an online poker site actually paid a bad beat jackpot. I mean, this is like, this is how far our standards have, have come. Yeah, so I, I'm not super familiar with, with what happened. First of all, what site was it? Let's just get it out there. It was Bet Online. First of all, fuck them. But online is that a big? Uh, so I don't know much about online. They're like a sports book. I don't even know exactly what they are. I know that the bad beat jackpot was four hundred k. Dude's playing. He hits the bad beat jackpot. The software crashes on him on the river. He's never had one problem with the software ever before. It crashes. They're not going to honor the bad beat jackpot. He collects all the information, takes it to um, Joey. I was retweeting it too, but. I think Joey's the one that had some juice 
and they ended up honoring the bad beat jackpot after pressure was put on them socially. But if left to their own devices, they were definitely not going to honor the bad beat jackpot. And everybody's just like poker community is erupting in cheers because a, a site did what it's supposed to do. And that to me is like indicative of just how fucked up the online landscape is. Yeah. They, well, were they cheering bet online or were they cheering Joey for stepping up? Some people were cheering bet online. A lot of people were cheering Joey. You know, I, I saw a lot of uh, comments like, Hey man, you got to give Joey a piece of that for getting it done for you. Yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, dude, why the, like, (laughs) it's just fucking insane to me that this is what it's come to, but I guess it is what it is. Yeah, I think it's, so I don't know much about that. Are there any like good places to play online? WSOP seems okay. Well, I don't have access to any legal place in Atlanta, so I can't play on WSOP. All I can say is today I was setting up a resources link at EnhanceYourEdge.com for people to click through and support the show. And when it comes to affiliate marketing, in this space, the most profitable affiliate marketing is marketing a platform. And I got to the little slot where it was like said platform, and basically – the gist of what I said was fuck them all. Uh, don't trust anybody. I can't in good conscience recommend any single US facing platform because none of them have the player's best interest in mind. None of them are doing the right things. And it's just bullshit, man. Yeah, it's uh, and I think that's true for the live world as well. And people have always told me just just to kind of piggyback on that a little bit to uh that i should run home games and the reason i've always thought that if i wanted to i could is because there's plenty of money to make while uh making it good for the players as well there's just but not one i can't think of one instance one home game operator one online operator who didn't get greedy you have to just have that that ability to not get greedy, even though you see opportunity, like freezing some kid out on his fucking bad beat jackpot share. That's just, uh, that's just like the fucking corporate world. It seems like it's what's worse than that. Right? Like I just, it, it just drives me insane. And you're right about the home games. Most people get greedy. They want to, everybody has this mentality of I'm going to take as much as I possibly can from the poker community as quickly as I possibly can. And then I'm going to disappear into the night. Like nobody's thinking long-term, nobody's uh, an advocate for the players. The players can't even get their shit together and force change in a lot of these situations. I mean, think about the Venetian last year had like a, I can't remember what the guarantee was, but 300 K period. If it, it goes over, then they still distribute 300K in the prize pool, no matter what. And and they made it, right? The players didn't fucking band together and boycott that tournament. They made the guarantee. And that to me is like a social experiment saying, how much can we fuck the players? And they just don't even care. They're still going to show up if they feel like they can get some value. So like the poker community needs to start bypassing some of these spots where they think they can get value in favor of making things better down the line. Yeah, it's there's a fundamental issue in that poker is a very individual 
um, game, right? So it's just, it's rare to find solidarity, uh, you know, people banding together to say, fuck you to the Venetian, uh, because someone's going to say, well, everyone's saying that, so the, the, the tournament's going to be sick. It's going to be a bunch of people who don't understand, and then I'm going to go play. And that's you, – you can see the merit in that. But, yeah, it's uh, – there's a huge market, in my opinion, for people to run games online or live and just not be assholes. Good luck. Most people are assholes, and, like, that's the <laughs> – that's just the fact of it, right? Like poker players, we're conditioned to battle each other and take each other's money anyway. So having mm-hmm. us band together is a little bit counter to our nature, just as poker players. But even looking at the apps right now, you know, Poker Bros is going bananas. Uh, one of my followers in Discord sent me a message and told me, "Hey, Brad, like you've got a way bigger following than me. I've been an agent on Poker Bros." I brought in 30K last month just as an affiliate, bringing people onto Poker Bros. You should do it. You know, you, you should promote it. You should get some people on there. But Poker Bros is a scam. It is, a, it is just a straight-up scam. Like if, you play, you like if you play bigger than one, two, right? Yeah. The rake is about five times bigger than Ignition. That's, this is, first of all, at, at 510 No Limit, they take three big blinds maximum per hand up to 5%. So $30 rake every hand. Second of all, the money's not secure. You're sending it to some random dude hoping that he sits on it. And then when you win, that he sends you money back, right? What Mm -hmm. happens when that dude makes a bad investment or his real estate properties crash and he can't meet the mortgages and he's sitting on a pool of 100K? You think you're going to get paid? Dude's going to take that 100K out, disappear forever, and scam everybody. It's just a, it's a nightmare that is going to come to fruition in some cases. I think it already has. Another, another thing uh, that's – I mean, we've, we've been in this quarantine for two months, a little over two months. So I would, I would call that like a, kind of a, a gold rush for online poker again, uh, you know, a boom for online poker again, a bunch of bad players playing, you know, in bad players, I'm saying live players, which live players aren't bad at live poker, but they're bad at, inter- at, at online poker. They are. I wouldn't, I would get destroyed by a good online player. Have you been um, playing, playing in the games? No, I've been busy enough. Well, here's what I was going to say. I've been busy enough taking this time to like get a break from poker. And I've been busy enough building a community, which has been really uh, amazing and time consuming and interesting. And, and, and a cool thing is one thing I do is offer, uh, online home games, but just, I don't ever want anyone getting hurt. So the biggest buy-in is $20 or or it's just like, if you go to your neighbor's house, yeah, yeah, you can win or lose, but here's what I know about those, those games. You, as the, uh, operator, you have to set, you have to set it to some amount of rate but you don't need to set to three big blinds, right? So the lowest is uh, one big blind, or uh, you can cap it at one big blind. You can do, I think, uh, 1% capped at one big blind, which seems really small, right? Well, I have these games that are 5, 10, 5 cent, 10 cent, 20 cent, and over the course of a month, we'll generate uh, two or 3,000 in rake. 
playing tiny with the lowest setting possible. Right. And then we give it back. I don't, I don't, I'm not into the rate game. So we give it back in the tournament. I mean, there are expenses with poker bros. They charge you for buying chips, adding players. They, it's a good business model by them. So, but even after the expenses, there's probably, you know, 2K a month of just rake. And, and I'm not trying to take it. So we, we give it back to the players in, in like a lottery type thing. But it just goes to show that's the lowest possible setting. And you can actually set tournaments up for, for zero rake. But for the cash games, you must have – it won't allow you to run a game without, uh, I believe, 1% capped at one big blind. And if these big unions did that, they would make plenty and the players would have a chance to win. But they're just not going to do it. Yeah, they're, they're, because why do they have to? There's no competition. They don't, they don't have to. They, they get the players no matter what. If it was legal to, to take rate, I would do it. I would, I would just offer whatever games people want at the lowest possible rate and, you know, use my reputation and whatever and, and do it. And it, but it's, it's illegal to take rate. So, so yeah. all these guys are risking, you know, when this slows down, someone might be knocking on their door someday. Oh, for sure. And they're very public about it too. They give out their real name and they're processing all the money, which is exactly what is illegal with the online poker deal. Like nobody's ever been arrested for playing online poker. The processing of the money is very, very illegal. And these guys are just doing it, leaving breadcrumbs as far as you know who they are. And it would definitely not shock me when everything slows down if these guys get picked up because it's just stupid. But what you mentioned is another big part of why I hate how online poker has become. You know, if it was legal for you to do it, you would do it at the lowest rate possible, right? Well, even in Vegas, how much does it cost to get a license to be an online poker operator, right? That's like, number one, it makes it prohibitive for competition and innovation and for people to get in the space and make sure that it's better for the player because only a few people can afford to have an online poker site. And it's just, it's just all bullshit to me and drives me absolutely crazy. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's, you should know by now, it's just pretty rigged at the top, you know, it's just, it's really hard to come up against the, the people with all the money in, in not just in poker, but in anything, but uh, maybe some of the being stuck inside your place for, for two months is adding to that. Um, one thing unrelated, but I know me and I, I could easily forget it. And I think it's important. You were talking about uh, marketing, enhance your edge, right? Yeah. And yesterday on Twitter, someone said, what's your podcast name? Uh-huh. I, th- I think you have uh, branding confusion. I think everything should just be Chasing Poker Greatness. Yeah, I have, the, I have the URL bought, ChasingPokerGreatness.com. It forwards to Enhance Your Edge. Maybe I should just direct everybody there. And that's what, like, your Twitter handle should be, like, Chasing Poker Greatness. Like, it's just, I think, I don't know. It, it, I, it's easy when it's, you know, I, I know because I'm also trying to build brand and all this stuff. It's easy to overlook something pretty glaring. And I think that, I think that's it. I think it's a little confusing for people who don't know you and chasing poker greatness is a, that's a solid tagline company name, whatever. Thank you, sir. And Hand Dredge was 
super long ago. It's, this is called laziness on my part, but coming soon because DGAF told me to stop being an idiot. I'll change everything to chasing poker greatness.com. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, you can ask other people, but I think it's just a no brainer. Let me go back to what you said about online poker booming. And this is another thing that in my mind is a misnomer about what's happened during COVID and also kind of bullshit. Cash games are not booming. The 500 no limit, the 500 zoom on ignition is as hard as it's ever been, maybe even harder. And tournaments, maybe there's a bunch more weak spots in in the tournament world, but the cash game, it's not, it's not super soft. Um, hasn't gotten better since COVID and pretty much at every turn with every operator, they really just don't give a shit about the cash game guys. Yeah. Uh, that might be specific to ignition. I know guys in other countries literally can't come up for air because the games are so good and these are higher stakes players. So yeah, I know someone in England and someone in the Netherlands and, and they're just, and even, even on WSOP.com, someone in New Jersey, that's like, no, this is the, the Corona boom. I don't, they didn't call it that, but that's what it is. It's possible that ignition hasn't um, drawn the people that, that used to go to the casino and play whatever five ten or two five. Uh, I don't know, but I, this the smaller stakes it probably has gotten softer. Poker, when a recreational player can take two thousand dollars that's in their bank account, deposit it to a poker site, and play online poker, will boom. That's where these guys from Poker Bros are coming from. They find an intermediary, they give them money, they get money on their account. There's no Bitcoin, there's no hassle, there's no bullshit that they have to go through to be able to get into the games. And right now, there's too many hoops for people to go through. And somebody that's not winning at poker is not going to jump through hoops to get money onto a website. They can lose their money in many, many different ways. They're not going to go through any trouble to do it. Yeah, I mean, there there are... I know you're, you're a big fan of online poker, but there are a lot of issues with it. There's always been a lot of uh, cheating issues and ghosting. And I mean, it's, I know there's the, what the GPS, like it prevents you from playing from the same house as someone, right. Or the IP address or whatever, but like, why can't two people at the same table be on the phone also? How, like, how does that work? No, they can. Of course they can. So um, it's just, it's just going to, there's, there are problems with it forever. There are problems with it forever. Like there are some security measures that I think could be implemented that would cut down on a lot of the BS, but there's no incentive for a poker operator to invest a lot of money into security and making sure that everybody's having a fair experience because there's no regulation. There's no legalization. There's no pressure. They don't have to right? The only reason why bet online paid that bad beat jackpot was because they had social pressure. It wasn't government or federal or the gaming commission that made them do it. It was because their reputation was getting dragged through the mud. So most good players though, like most winning good players, it's probably not even worth the effort to collude while you're mass multi-tabling because it doesn't do very much, right? Like I, I can't, I can't think of playing six tables, having somebody on a call with me who's like 
at those same six tables and giving me information that I'm able to use that's going to be beneficial to me. Like I just, I don't see that. I've never tried it. So I don't know how beneficial it would be. If you, if you played with a buddy on the same table and even if you didn't have that communication, but if you guys were sharing action, uh, the the people other players are getting taken advantage of and that that's just another way i guess uh do they still have those games where you play one hand and then everyone gets shuffled to a new table what's that called that's called zoom or zone or rush or whatever there there's a bunch of different names that they call it nowadays the 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 biggest problem for me two bigger problems than human beings cheating because quite frankly i'm not afraid of two dummies cheating and playing against me. I, I still am. Maybe it's uh, delusional self-confidence in myself, but I think that if two guys are going to do that, that I probably have an edge on them just naturally. But uh, Well, you did before they started cheating, but <laughs> well, they've got the edge now, man. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it depends on how mediocre they are. Like Most of the people that want to cheat are typically not very good at poker. That's just... that's just how it works. Well, there's some data that suggests that's not entirely true. Some really good players have been uh, caught cheating. But depends on what your definition of cheating is, right? So like, we'll get into the jungle man thing in a minute. But the the two biggest problems to me are real-time assistants. And this is people who are running solves or whatever it is while they're in a hand, getting, getting some sort of feedback in spots they're unfamiliar with that allows them to navigate treacherous waters easier. Mm -hmm. Um, And number two are the bots and bots are getting better. The the great thing about just deploying a bot and letting it run all day, they're not emotional. They're not going to change their play style. And -hmm. for the most part, they're going to crush human beings. So like getting rid of bots and getting rid of real time assistance those are priorities number one and number two for every single poker operator that exists. Yeah. Another, another thing that's happened uh, when I say this, this online boom is a ton of private clubs. And so the guys that were playing for big money at the casinos, they are playing online. There is a big boom. It's just not in the, in the general population. You don't get to play against them. And what's happening is, you know, whoever was like smooth in those games is organizing it, gouging them with rake, being predatory, letting them go way beyond their, you know, when they're on tilt, give me more, give me more. Sure. Here you go. And busting them. And it's already, we're two months in and it's already now you, all these private clubs are coming together with unions and, and whatnot. It's, it's gross, man. It's fucking gross. That's how poker is, right? Like that, that's what it has become in the current landscape and let's uh we'll set let's segue into the jungle man the jungle man deal because we're already here sure you know jungle man for those of you not familiar bill perkins tweeted off saying that there was some news that made mike possel look like a church service one of poker heroes was involved a big cheating scandal and it turns out it was some private game with a bunch of ultra wealthy people and jungle man was ghosting, which means one of the whales they had brought in to absolutely crush 
got crushed most likely <laughs> and tried and found, sought out a mercenary to, uh, to battle against the other guys is that that's how I view it anyway. So yeah, there's, there's a lot at work here. Cause uh, when, when we were messaging, I said, why do I not care at all about this? Like, I just don't care. And there, cause there's a lot there. So it sounds like there was some predatory behavior getting this guy in, right? Like, Let's get him on our online app and let's, you know, empty his pockets, which, you know, poker is, it's a hustle. It is. It just is. So I'm not judging that even, but then for that guy to outsmart them, it's kind of just like he outplayed him a little bit by having uh, someone actually really good play. And uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's so great. I think a lot of people want everything to be black and white. Like this is cheating. He's horrible. Well, there's a lot at work here. The, they were trying to take advantage of the one guy, and then he got smart to it, and and he kind of owned them, like a little bit, right? Or what do you think? I, I mean, so I guess I can say that I I don't agree with ghosting. Like I wouldn't do it personally. I don't think, um, right. but I don't think. I don't know. So. And this is the situation that I keep coming back on because like on Twitter, everybody's most people, a lot of people are black and white. This is mm-hmm. cut and dry cheating. This is cut and dry, bad jungle man, scum, etc. And that's fine. But to me, it's a little bit, it, it's a little bit of virtue signaling. It's a little bit of people saying, you know, this is wrong. I'm better than this. I would never do this, but they're not in the arena of online poker playing high stakes cash games as a pro and getting fucked with every single day by every single entity. And I don't know the full story, but I can say this. I know of a private game where they're playing relatively big stakes. A friend of mine got invited because he's not so great at poker and he has money. He played in it. He gets smashed. The guy who invited him in um, he goes to him and he's like, hey, my friend Brad wants to play. He's a pro. Can, can I get him in? And the guy said, why would we want good players in the game? Like, yeah. just straight to his face. Why would we want good players in the game? And obviously, my friend is very successful in life. He realizes, oh, this guy's saying that I'm the fish, that mm-hmm. I'm a bad player. So what happens two days later? I get a text saying, hey, man, you want to play on my account? We'll split the wins 50-50 across the board. You can smash these guys, right? Mm-hmm. It's just the logical next progression. Of course, no one wants to feel like the target. No, of course not. But guys running games don't give a shit. Like, they don't care about hurting people's feelings. They don't care no. about anything. It's not, it's not a glamorous world. A lot of people want it to be. It's not. That's, that's why my content, it doesn't appeal to everyone because it's – it's just, I just don't, I, I'm not about that, that, that glamour of poker shit. It's bullshit. It's a dark, shady, hustler world. Uh, a lot of poker heroes have done really shady things. And I put, they can't see, but I put poker heroes in quotation marks. I don't believe poker players are heroes. Like, no, they're just hustlers, which is fine. Like, hustlers have been around forever and they will be around forever and, it's kind of funny and interesting, but heroes, no. Like, no. 
I don't think so. It just, de- just depends on your definition of a hero, right? Like, I think the legend of Jungle Man will just grow from this. Nobody will give a shit in six months or a year or the people that claim to give a shit. And this is the question I want to propose to them that I've thought about a lot myself. Imagine there's a game where ghosting is rampant and there are some whales and they're playing 500-1,000. So a big private game, somebody approaches you who's worth whatever, 100 or 200 million and says, hey, I'm going to put you in this game. I'll take 100% of the risk. You play under my account. Are you going to do it? To all the people who are calling Jungle a cheater, are you going to take that offer knowing that if you run well over five or 10 sessions, you can win a million dollars? Yeah, I think a lot of people will that are saying, obviously, that are saying they wouldn't. But I, I know you're not going to like this, but all this leads to uh, the problems with online poker, man. Like, it's just the the only place you can get, like, a pretty fair deal, I think, is in a regulated card room with good floor people watching and, and I just, you know, and even those strict rules that are annoying, like keep your phone off the table, that kind of stuff. I just don't see, I know you're, you're a proponent of online poker, so you're not going to like that. But Online poker is convenient, but sure. I hate the state that online poker is in. This is why I don't support any of the operators. I hate the state that it's in, and it's because cheating in online poker is incentivized. And... I'm going to say that again. Cheating in online poker is incentivized. There is no punishment to cheating in online poker because it's not regulated and it's not legalized. When they took that away from us, they, they made the Wild West even wilder. And to me, until things get legalized and regulated, like I'm with you. I'm going to hate the way online poker is. My vision of it would be... Um, video chat so that you can see everybody you're playing against to make sure that you're not playing against a bot algorithms in place that are determining whether people are playing too perfect. And if they are, their account gets frozen and then intermittent screenshots of what this dude is doing on his computer that you can look at and say, okay, this guy is playing four tables of online poker and he's not chatting with somebody on the side. He doesn't have a real-time solver up. I mean, this to me are all obvious good steps in the right direction, but who's going to pay for the research and development in a space where people are going to play and they're going to take their chances and there's no incentive to spend the money in research and development. Yeah, so it sounds like sounds like you're saying there are ways to make online poker uh, safe for, for players. Safer. But, safer, but they're just, they're just it's just not going to happen, most likely. And, and, and I also, I don't want to just say it about online games. The private games that, you know, poker is all about, like, finding a sucker and taking his money. At its core, that's what it is, right? So these, these private games are the same thing, you know, with these beautiful girls and amazing food and all this stuff. You're not getting a fair deal. You're just not. It might seem like you are, but you're not. And you might not get paid. You might get robbed. You, the rake 
it's going to sneak up on you uh, when you stop running hot. It just, it's just tough, man. It's just, it's just not a black and white thing at all. And I'm not judging any of it, but I also, you know, I'm not ready to uh, consider anyone a hero in it. <laughs> let uh, me tell you, let me tell you. So Freddie Deeb, I was playing in a home game in Los Angeles and me and Freddie Deeb were 10K behind. We get the money in. We both have aces, right? Mm-hmm. So we run it out. We decide to run two boards or whatever. They run it out. It's like the second hand of the night. We get our money back. I counted. I have $9,200. <laughs> Freddie has $9,200. They, they cut 1600 in a chop pot that yeah. was all in preflop. And they gave it back to us but only because we noticed and bitched those games clear 20 K a night, 20 K a night. And it's just, again, human beings are greedy. The people who are running these games are very, very greedy. And this isn't to say that online poker is not beatable. Like you can still crush online poker. You can crush cash games up to a certain point but you're going to be living in a world of gray and you're going to be public enemy number one when it comes to the operators, when it comes to um, you know, the bots, when it comes to real-time assistance, like nothing is there to uh, keep the, the good players happy. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It's a, uh, that's interesting. I was talking to a friend the other day and he went, he was telling about his home game experience where uh, he was playing at a table and by the end of the night, uh, there were only three people left and like no one had left a winner. And one guy was stuck like 70, 80 K and he was up 20 K and he was the only one winning. It was just like the most insane thing. Like they took all the money, like, but people don't, people don't realize it because they go there and they, they start drinking whatever and the girls are beyond beautiful and there's Coke and all that stuff. And it's easy to just not really think about, Oh, we were all drawing dead. Like the soft drink Coke. <laughs> yeah, of course. Coke that is a, that is a highlight of many high end home games. Yeah. They always have a bunch of bottles of Coke there. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't, I don't know. I'm a, I'm of the belief that, there are benefits to online poker. It's convenient, but don't think it's something it's not, you know, and even, even worse, probably the private live games, but uh, yeah, you're just, you're just not getting a fair deal unless you're at some card room that really uh, regulates it and watches for stuff and has a bunch of lame rules. It's, you know, and so it's fine play, but just don't expect things to be uh, everything to be on the up and up. Yeah, of course. It's going to be a struggle no matter what. Like like I said, it, we live in a world of gray. I got checks from Bovada for five years where they were in $3,000 increments and I had to go to the bank and they were from uh, Singapore. And when I would deposit them in the bank, <laughs> they would be like, what do you do for a living? Why are you getting these checks? You know, um, Which is funny because I don't like living in gray. I don't like feeling like I'm a criminal or doing something wrong. 
Like I just want to play cards, make money, cash out or lose money, whatever. Um, but that's just, that's the gig, right? That's the, that's the online poker gig. And if you're going to immerse yourself in the game, these are the things that you're going to have to deal with over time. Yeah. It's a, it's a, with the boom and even before the boom online was profitable before moneymaker, but with that, uh, poker as a profession became very viable because the money was there, but it's also not really that viable for all the other reasons. Just like neither of us like all the shadiness, but we've been in it for so long and it just, it wears on you eventually. Uh, Just, you know, like nothing surprises me. The the jungle thing didn't surprise me at all. It's expected. Yeah. And, and really the apostle thing doesn't surprise me. Like it wasn't, it didn't get me going either. Like I've known lots of people who cheated and I've seen it. I've been there. And like, it's, it's just like to say it's part of the game is kind of a cop out, but it's part of the game. <laughs> it just is. I'm not going to say it. it's part of the game. Like I think it's part of humanity and humanity's reaction to the game. Like I love poker. I think poker is a beautiful game. I love doing things that almost nobody else on the planet can do when it comes down to like making super light call downs, making, you know, triple barrel bluffs, whatever it is that I do that gets me excited, but it's all the human beings around the game that make the game shit. And that's just how, how I feel about it. Like players, nobody wants to lose. Nobody's in this gig to lose money. And so when you have an unregulated private game, you bring in a super smart guy that gets crushed. His ego, first of all, is going to come in and be like, I don't like this feeling, right? Like this is not fun. So then they're going to call somebody and they're going to get a proxy to play in their, their place. And this is happening all the time. It's so one thing I've been ranting about in my podcast for a while now is I think the ideal way to play poker is to play with friends and like have fun and sure you can have an edge and all that, but there's just a lot of problems with trying to play a cutthroat style. Just there's, there's just endless, endless problems with you mean on, online or live. You could, you could do it online. There's, if you, if you wanted to play with, uh, your friends on poker bros, well, suddenly it's fine, right? Like suddenly no one's cheating. You can set the rate to the lowest thing. Very reasonable. And then, but when the money gets too big, people are going to get upset, but you keep the money at an amount where, where people just aren't really getting hurt and like they can afford it and they're getting something. When you're playing with friends, you're always getting something, right? So oftentimes the dynamics of a, a good home game is, well, there is the one donator, right? But he's also the guy that's done the best in life and he's got the easiest life and he's getting all this entertainment and he decides what music plays and like he, it's cool. It's fair, right? And, and the, the people that aren't doing as well, in, you know, financially, they're going along, going with the flow, right? And, but they're also providing jokes and doing flips and doing it. That works as a system. Everyone just trying to get every last edge is a, that doesn't work as a system. It's, it leads to cheating and everything else. And just bad games and 
and people finding uh, different hobbies, people that would be happy to take their disposal income and disperse it amongst people who get it. Well, now they're going to it at a poker table. Now they're going to take it to Baccarat or somewhere else. Right. And that kind of goes, you know, hand in hand with what I said earlier about players don't like to lose. And then why cheaters are typically not at super high skill level, because there is pride. There is a feeling, a good feeling you get when you have winning sessions, when you play hands well, when you make a really good read in poker. And um, some people just don't want to lose every single night. And so the route that they take is to cheat to give them that edge instead. And so I feel like for most people, like me, I can't imagine wanting to cheat. You know, I can't imagine just going out of my way to do that because I already have this belief in myself that I'm going to beat the games regardless. And I'd rather sleep well at night than feel like I'm stealing money from people. But for people less skilled that are just losing, well, cheating's the easy out, right? It's either cheating or investing a lot of time getting better at this game. And it's much easier to cheat. So why not? Yeah. When I say, and you said it, short-sighted i say it a lot short-sighted it's people we usually are referring to people understanding that their behavior not understanding that their behavior is killing the future of the game but there's another element to that if you're going to be shady in how you get your money so maybe you're cutting off your source of income down the line that's short-sightedness but also you're going to feel like garbage inside and that's the that's the thing people don't talk about like if you get your money the, the wrong way, it doesn't matter. It's never going to make you happy. Never. And money's not going to make you happy anyways, but it's not going to even make you secure. It's going to make you feel like shit. And unless you like, you know, are a sociopath or something. You just keep moving the goalposts back and back and back. And you keep compromising your ethics and your integrity until it doesn't matter anymore. Until you're just in it strictly to fleece as many human beings as you possibly can and just take as much as you possibly can. Um, but that's how, so, that's how a lot of successful people live their life and go but, through their life. But that you say successful, but it's really, it's impossible to fade your conscience. Monetarily, time. monetarily and successful and right. successful in terms of just wealth and power. Yeah, but that doesn't, I mean, it's just like the oldest trick. Like that doesn't do much for how you're going to feel inside if you did it the wrong way. If you did it the right way and you use that to, to help people and whatnot, sure. And do what if that's just world? a story? What if that's just a story they tell you? That what? <laughs> that you can't live with yourself if you make all the money the wrong way. Just to play devil's advocate. Have you, you, can't. have you ever made a bunch of money and did you feel bad about it? By I made a bunch of money the right way. The wrong way. You know what? I felt bad about just winning the right way at poker. Like I lit my money on fire. It just felt so wrong having such an edge. And and yeah, part of the part of the life pro thing is getting the game juiced up and it's just what it is, right? So you're using all these soft skills to build this amazing game and and often it works, right? You're just taking from people who have disposable income. You're winning from them. But sometimes you know you're just crushing some guy who's delusional and thinks he's a pro because he won a tournament and you're just – and it didn't make me feel good. That's what got me into content. I needed something besides winning money out of my career. Just It made me feel gross. So you self-sabotaged? 
you literally roll on fire because you felt bad? I had a, yeah, I was, I've always been very self-destructive, but that was, that was an element to it of, it doesn't feel great. Right. And even, even after you win a bunch from someone and you kind of hustle them in a very legal poker sense way, you just, what do you mean by hustle? Well, what do I mean by hustle is you're, you're tricking people out of their money. Oh, give right? me an example. Of- an example is, okay, so I was a professional poker player, not really thinking long-term and I dressed like one, looked like one, all that. And I won all the time. And eventually I, I didn't get action anymore. I wasn't, I wasn't an asshole. I wasn't smug. I just didn't give anything to the game. Right. And I really, they really started resenting me and basically like couldn't play in my hometown anymore. I had to move to Vegas and I got smart. Well, kind of smart where I don't want that anymore. So now I dress you, you see me, if you just meet me, you do not think poker pro and I can, I, I have the ability to drink at the table and still play well. And it's, you're getting people to play with you all night long and they don't realize they're just a, a really big dog, especially when it gets shorthanded late in the night. And just, you know, winning, it's, it's tricking, but that's, that's what poker is. I don't know if it's tricking. Like, I, I mean, I guess maybe, I guess it just depends on how you look at it. I, I've never, I've never camouflaged the fact that I'm a professional poker player in any game that I've ever played in ever. Um, I, I yeah. assume that people just, I do. I still, I always will. I think it's, there's just so many problems with who wants to play. Like, especially nowadays, people don't want to play with professional poker players. I mean, they do, they don't want to play with like Phil Ivey or whoever, someone that's famous, but uh, just some guy who's good at poker. It's, it's, it's kind of bad for the game to be honest, to, to show up and look and, and act and talk like a pro. Yeah. But like you said, it, you, you have the game on one side and then you have this feeling about yourself on the other side. And so for me, in order to just be aligned with what I'm doing and who I am, I just show up. I've never had any problem. Like nobody's ever even said anything to me about the fact that I just play poker, like just by the way I shuffle my chips, by the fact that I'm in commerce 60 hours a week, I mean, it's pretty clear that I'm a professional poker player. Um, I'm not trying well, to angle is, anybody or anything like that. No. Well, yeah, but I, see, I, I look at poker as a soft like hustle. It just always has, if you ask the old timers, they would tell you that. It's just the nature of, his, of it's it. It's a meritocracy, man. It's a meritocracy where the cream eventually rises to the crop. And you could say that, or the... Yeah. The cream rises to the top, not the crop. You could say that about any venture though in business. Businesses are cutthroat. They go after all of their competitors. I'm I'm not judging it. I'm not judging the game. I'm saying that's the, I I believe in all the stuff that I do. I believe in, it's a game. It's part of like, it's, it's part of the, the whole thing. You're trying to get the money at the poker table, right? If you sit, if people sit down, they're fair game, right? Well, then you have to govern yourself to not take it further, like to be predatory. You don't want to be predatory, stuff that, but even just that, the game of poker, it's fine. It's a hustle, but it wasn't fulfilling for me. Winning money for first years, I had to start doing other stuff. I had to start doing content and I did content for a long time, um, you know, with writing and now I do podcasting and, and I'm trying to get out. I want to be the whale. I want, that's what I want to be. I want to be the guy that comes in and says, 
I know you have fucking like a big pair right now, but I don't care. I'm going to put it all in with five, six suited, like just cause just cause. Right. And if, and if you're over there being cool, then it's, it's going to work. I'll do it again. Right. I, I look forward to that. I do not like uh, the, but I've also played longer than just about anyone. This seems like an imaginary scenario that will never, ever happen. I can't imagine you just getting your money in bad and being happy about it and being like, oh, well, that dude's cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let him, I'm just going to give him some money. Like well, at the poker table, are you kidding me? No, it'll happen. When I, I am confident that I am uh, going in the right direction financially right now, that I will be flush for a third time in my life. And I, I'm also confident I've worked through a lot of the, the stuff that made me so self-destructive. I used to just give people 5k, like no, pro- not even just here, have it. Right. That, Go uh, ahead. You, uh, so I'm not saying that you're never going to make it the money. I'm just saying it feels counter to every poker player's nature to just get money in bad and be happy about it. That just seems like something you, you will have to force yourself to do. And I don't know if you'll feel good about it or not. Well, I'm a gambler first. I became a poker player. I mean, I, I played poker, but I'm a gambler. I like gambling. And the reason I play poker well is because I need money. But if I don't, I, I won't play. That well. Even our, in our little home games, I do horrible stuff and it feels fun. It feels like I'm the, I'm the rich guy at the table, right? Because we're playing for $5 or whatever. It's, it's just, I don't know. But yeah, of course, in this... Uh, hypothetical scenario where I have a lot of money and I'm not a poker pro anymore. If I go, I will be happy to take the worst of it. If as long as the person is cool, if it's you across from me, I'm happy. But if it's some smug kid, then and I'll be like, well, okay, but now we have to play heads up. Like, I don't care. Like, let's go. Let's, let's really see. Right. But anyone that gets it, no, I'm going to be happy to, to just punt. That's fair, man. That's that's a good thing to aspire to, actually, to be the be the Max Azria of every poker game that you ever play in. Who was who? So yeah, Max is a great example. Um, and what what did he own? BCBG, uh, clo- clothing brand. Yeah. So we played with him a lot, and uh, I'm gonna ask you a question: Who was winning the most in those games? It would be like me, you other pros, some commerce regs, him. Who's winning the most? I have no idea who is winning the most. It's he was. So... Like, he, like if, you don't, if you take it out of a money sense. Oh, so it's a trick question. It's a philosophical it's a question. Yeah, man. Like, he's sitting there smiling, sipping on a drink, uh, very happy. And the other guy, uh, Mr. Chow from the restaurant. Those two guys, are, they were winning the most. The rest of us sitting there like, stressing like oh shit like <laughs> if i lose this hand right now this is you because we're playing much bigger than we we are every other day of the week and we're like trying to you know working so hard to have them like us and all this shit like in a general sense those two guys are winning and, and the rest of us we're it's fine it's just where we were in life but there's no it, question in my mind they are the ones fucking winning it's so i'm gonna burst this bubble because i have insight into max because Max did like me for whatever reason, and me and Max were, got close. Max did not enjoy losing. He felt, he felt bad. He felt like he was stupid. 
because he lost every single day. Now, did he ever try to get better? Absolutely not. And did he always act like he had a good time? He did. But he, he did not like feeling stupid, and he didn't really like losing at the end of the day. But that was gradual. At the beginning, I mean, and he was surrounded by a bunch of fucking L.A. nits. So that's easy, right? But I know in, in games that I played with him, he was very happy with just how ridiculous of a human being I was at that time and, like, just how much I was drinking and the dumb shit I was saying. And I know that didn't bother – he probably never was bothered by losing a pot to me, right? But someone over there not saying anything – you know, being very deliberate and, and just, it's obvious to him that he's a target. Yeah, of course he's not going to like that, but he's also still winning. He's also the one where it doesn't matter what happens today. Right. It's Max is such an interesting thing because maybe one of my, the most interesting tangents of my poker career was becoming friends with Max. Um, We were playing against each other, just whatever. And he invited me on his private jet, which I don't think he had ever invited a poker player from like the commerce onto his private jet to fly to Vegas with him just because he liked me. Um, and yeah, I, a lot of things <laughs> stemmed from my relationship with Max, including getting involved in the LA home games and all of that stuff, which was not a great career move. But uh, I actually maybe took it a little too far in getting Max to like me just through my natural charisma and charm because at some point Max stopped playing with me in pots. <laughs> he would want to check down every single hand with me specifically. And uh, that that just in and of itself probably cost me twenty or $30,000. Right, but that's, that's the great stuff. Like on a human level, it's pretty awesome, right? Like that happens to me a lot where the whale at the table doesn't want to play against me in – I, I know it's costing me money, but it's also like, this is kind of the shit in life, right? Like, like I just made a, con- we have a connection and it doesn't matter. And who cares about the money? Like it's in the end, it's not really going to matter that much, but it, it can't be problematic. <laughs> I, I always did it with Max because I like Max a lot. And, you know, Max passed away last year. And the one thing that I'll always remember about Max, you know, he's a billionaire, owns this giant global brand. And I flew in to LA, took a lift to a game that Max was at. And there was just a room full of people. And you know how Max, everybody gravitates, gravitated towards him because Mm -hmm. he's loud and, you know, he's almost 70 years old. He would take his shirt off. And plus he's the big whale at the game that everybody wants to suck up to. And uh, I came in, I'd been gone for like a week and Max stopped everything he was doing just turned around and was like my friend and like ran across the room and like kissed me on the forehead. Like basically like I was the only person on the planet. Right. And that was pretty cool to me. Like it was a cool relationship to have. And I'm sad that, that he's gone, but uh, yeah, I think that's way more valuable than the money. Right. The 20 K you would forgot about. Yeah. You know, like that you're not going to forget. And that's just like a human thing. It's a, it's a connection and, yeah. So even if he was unhappy and I think he gradually did get, and he had people in his ear too, telling him stay away from these players and this and that, you know, it just, it happens. You put a wealthy guy in commerce and God, it's going to get ugly. But Look at uh, Obama, look what happened with him. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, those guys, so Obama, uh, for the, for the listener, we're not talking about the former president. <laughs> no, not the president. We're talking um, about a, a very action player at commerce named or called Obama. And he's very wealthy, lots of action, very wealthy. So commerce regs, the nits would pay the floor men because Obama would call in every day to put his name on the list. They pay the floor men, give them their phone numbers. When Obama calls in, the floor man would call those seven players and then they would show up at the casino and just sit around until mm-hmm. Obama got there. They wouldn't even play while they're waiting. They just sit around. Yeah. Obama gets there, they surround him, and then they're in a game with Obama. And, and like he's intelligent, right? He, he's very successful in life. He realized what was happening eventually, that he's playing with the same people all the time. But the Nets, man, they, they don't give a shit. Like they're just in it to take as much as they possibly can. And uh, yeah, that's one of the things I hate most about poker. Yeah, it's, it's, it's no place for kids. It's, it's, it's not this glamorous it's not. It's not a professional sport. It's not. It's a game. It's a. It's a hustle. It's okay. I don't. It's fine. Get in it, but you stay in it too long, it's going to wear on you, um, and you got to be careful while you're in it. And you also know that there are going to be opportunities to make money by compromising your own ethics or whatever. And uh, if you fade those, you can you can come out right. But if you don't, you're going to have to live with that shit forever. And you see that. I don't know. It's a catch. It's a catch twenty-two because when you, yeah. when you do turn down opportunities because of your ethics, and then you know people who are not turning them down, and they get to be five hundred k richer because they are willing to step into um, a situation where they can cheat and make money, and you struggle, right? Because let's face it, you're when you pass up these opportunities, it means that you're going to struggle in the regular games that you're playing in, you can get a little bitter. You can get frustrated. It's, uh, I, I just am really annoyed with online poker right now. I think <laughs> this is pretty clear and shining through in this conversation. Yeah. I've never seen you annoyed before. So it's kind of, it's kind of cool. I mean, this is what I like. I, I mean, didn't... you've seen me tilt plenty, but I've never, I've never seen you tilt once. <laughs> <laughs> I have a thing. I have a question to ask you, by the way, this has been, on my mind for a long time and we, I can edit this out for you if you, okay. if you want. I remember at commerce because my sleep schedule was always super whacked out flying in from the East coast. The first day I'd be there, I would wake up at like 4am mm-hmm. and you know, I would, sometimes I would go to the gym. I remember going to the gym at 4am and this dude that I have played against for a long time now, is on the treadmill running at 4 a.m. in the commerce gym. This guy who is well-known for getting drunk, wasted at the table, <laughs> getting everybody else drunk, is taking mm-hmm. care of himself. Um, what I have always wanted to ask you is, when you were getting drunk, did you ever you know, tip somebody to get water from a server and order drinks for everybody else to get a bigger edge? Wait, wait, what? Like, there was a disconnect oh, to me. Oh, you know what I mean? Was was I ever not drinking as much as it seemed? Yeah. No. I was always drinking as much as it seemed and more. In fact, overnight, I would have those little, you know, I would order 
I would have them, the porter go over to the store and get giant sugar-free Red Bull and those little coffee cup things and ice. And then I would uh, bring vodka in and mix it. So the, the exact opposite. I never, <laughs> I never went that route. Uh, no, I drink as much as advertised. There was, there was a period of time where I didn't drink, though. That's, that's what you're remembering. There was, uh, so the first time I went bust, I made about 60K in a year. But the way I was living and spending, that busted me. And now I had another kid coming. And so for, I think it was 2012, I decided to only drink once every three months. And I was on the grind hard. And that's when you saw me working out in the, in the little tiny gym at Commerce. And uh, that was, you know, I did well that year, but I also felt so fucking like gross. I don't know. It's just, uh, yeah, that was my first comeback. And I'm trying to make my second comeback now, but that was my first one where I didn't drink for the whole year. And, and I ran bad for like the first two months. And then after that, it was started running better and uh, had one big session and then never looked back. And then the next year I started drinking again and playing heads up and destroyed everyone and then eventually lit that on fire. Yeah. It sucks, man. That's, uh... I mean, it's fine. Well, it sucks. It's not, it's not good because you're one of the good guys in, in my mind. You're one of the guys that, that I root for in poker that I hope um, gets all, all the success, all the gold, all the fame, all the glory, uh, number one podcast, all of these things. I, I, I genuinely root for the good guys because, quite frankly, I mean, there's, there's not that many around <laughs> in this world. So it's fun I, having one. I, I appreciate it. Um, you also are one of the good guys. I also want to say that I, I kind of feel like unscathed. Like, sure, I won. I've won literally millions. And I haven't lit it all on fire in bad ways. I've lit it all on fire in a lot of good ways, uh, giving my kids a great place to grow up and very comfortable life and comfortable house. And I've helped a lot of people, like family. How does it feel, How does it feel knowing that, that you've done all that through poker? I feel good, man. Like in my, I have, I have stress in my life from my, I'm still trying to make another comeback and it's, I'm actually getting some momentum currently. Um, so that part is really hard, but like my conscience is good. It's very good. I, I, I lived very destructive, self-destructive. Uh, I had just a very self-destructive pattern my whole life, like my whole life. And I, I wasn't aware of it during it. How I did you just, get, how did you gain awareness? I hit, I hit a, a rock bottom in uh, 2017. Uh, and then it was, it was, it was bizarre. I was, I was taking a lot of Adderall and I stopped doing that. And I don't know if that led to uh, a bunch of childhood repressed memories started coming up and I started to under like learn more about myself and my childhood. And then I started to understand how it shaped me into this person that, well, while I was a giver and like kind of loved everyone for the most part, except for nits. I've always not got along with them. But uh, other than that, I always was. I was always like so hard on myself. I would punish myself. And I just kind of learned that. And it's a slow process. We're, we're three years later. And I'm just now 
I'm still like a DJ or whatever, but it's just, it's a lot like, it's a lot different. It's, it's not as deep. It doesn't go as deep as it used to. And, and so, yeah, it, it took me hitting rock bottom to even have any clue, any insight into my own uh, cycle and all that shit. But, but my conscience is, is fine. Like, I feel good. I feel like I've done a lot of good. And I feel like I'm doing a lot of good now with like the community I'm building and uh, the, my podcast does a lot for people. It, it gives people uh, an escape, a relaxing escape where they can relate. And I don't sell any bullshit. Like I'm perfect. No, I'm just as flawed as they are. Uh, maybe more, who knows? And I don't know. I feel really good about that. I'm, I'm, I'm battling, I'm grinding hard in life, but inside now nah, I feel fucking great. People gravitate towards vulnerability and people who are not full of shit and are willing to say like, yeah, I went through this and it hurt and I was scared and I'm learning and I'm trying to do better. When you say that you hit rock bottom and did you go to therapy? Was that a part of your process? Was it just all yourself? So here, I would recommend that for others, but it's just magically um, someone that I'd played poker with years before and he always liked my vibe at the table, um, psychiatrist. And I started, he offered me a, a job as an assistant. And then, so I didn't go to therapy, but yet, and I actually lived with him when I moved out of my house. I had a long overdue divorce. I should have been divorced years earlier, but I didn't, I didn't care about myself until I hit that and start, you know, and then I started the process of, of actually taking action in my life. Well, I lived with a psychiatrist. I worked with him and I did a podcast with him called solicited advice podcast. So did I go to therapy? No, but yeah, I did. I I went to it like all the time and I learned a lot about breathing, cognitive behavioral therapy. uh, And just it's for a while, it really sucked, right? You're just kind of in your own head thinking about this shit all the time. Like, Oh my God, this, you know, whatever happened when I was four years old was brutal. Right. Or, and then, but gradually you, you stay aware of that, but it weighs on you less and you just start, you, you know, I, I say that I exercise free will now for the, that I didn't used to. And people will debate that's even real, but either way I'm acting healthier. Um, what does free will mean? What does it mean when you say that? So it's, there's been, we've had, I've had a lot of, uh, in my community, is a, is a very good philosopher who comes on a lot, who believes in free will and an amazing scientist who comes on a lot and does not says it's everything's determined, uh, determinism. So that's an interesting discussion. I'm not, I haven't signed off on either for my, for my own belief, but I believe there's, there's, there's levels to it. Free will level one is like, uh, I'm going to decide to stop eating like shit. I'm going to get in shape. Like that one year I decided to, to be healthy. Right. That's level one. But then there's level two is when you really get to know yourself, the way, why you've been always been the way uh, that you've been. Once you're very aware of that and in the moment aware of it, you can start to catch yourself doing self-destructive. For me, it was my thing was self-destructive. I can catch myself and I can make little, it's not easy. It feels weird. And you make little choices that you never would have made before. And it's, it's gradual and, and it's not easy. Um, but I'm starting to live healthier and that's, 
I was doing the opposite for the first 43 years of my life. I was trying to like, always trying to punish myself. And now I'm trying to do the opposite. I'm trying to come up in a good way. What's the difference? Do you have like a tangible example of a time you would have done one thing, caught yourself and did another thing? Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, with eating, with, with, with drinking. Uh, yeah. Oh, here. so something that was very, that has made a lot of people like me, but was, wasn't healthy for me is that I would do anything for everyone, right? I would, uh, I answered every question in my thread on two plus two for seven years, right? Even though there were trolls in there and people judging me and all this shit, I just did. And if someone asked me any, to do any favor that I didn't know, I would. And that's problematic if you just do that for everyone. And I kind of, during this like last three years, I've learned that if I, I'm always going to be like that, right? I'm just like, if you ask me to do something, I'm going to do it, right? But if someone I don't know asked me to do it, I shouldn't do it, right? I probably shouldn't. And especially if someone uh, that has always gotten something from, from me and never reciprocated, that's kind of a, a buzzword that, that I use a lot. Uh, so it's really hard for me. Someone the other day messaged me. I was busy as hell. I've been so busy during during this time when a lot of people aren't and said hey your content's always meant a lot to me um i wrote a book would you mind reading it and reviewing it and my inclination that thing inside is to, i was driving like to stop and like to message back and be like yes send me the book i'll read it and then i'm like well like no offense but you've always enjoyed my content and you've never even like done anything You've never reciprocated in any way. I, I can't. I'm too busy. Sorry. So that may sound easy to people. It's not. I literally wanted to like message back, I, you know, whatever message popped up while I was driving. I wanted to message that, but I have to like, so, and that only comes with awareness that you are that way. You're trying to please people for fucked up childhood reasons. But yeah. I'm the same. I have always been a giver in that way, whether it was reciprocated or not. And what's really messed up about being that person is that the takers will find you. It's like they have a radar and will hone in on you and just try to take advantage of you as much as humanly possible. And it's only when you realize what's going on, you have awareness of the situation. Can you break that cycle? There's so many friends that I've think back over the years and think, good God almighty, what was I thinking? Why did I spend four years with this person that never gave anything back to me ever? And I just didn't know. And it, and it does stem from childhood. It stems from a, a feeling of codependency. There's a bunch of things that it stems from. And uh, like you, you know, it's classic self-sabotage, right? Like you don't feel good about the way you're making money. Um, you don't feel worthy. And so what can you do that's in alignment with feeling unworthy subconsciously? Well, you just light it on fire and uh, get yourself to the point to where you actually are how you feel about yourself. Yeah. It's a, uh, and so I question whether I could change to, to not be someone to like stop what I'm doing and help someone. And I don't think I can, it just, in, you have to feel right inside. Right. So the, the change I made is, only doing that for the people that would do it for me and it doesn't have to be the same exact level and that's what's been amazing about this community i'm building it's just the way 
the way I choose to uh, monetize my content is voluntary pledges, right? So it's just people who believe in the same thing, right? They believe in give and take reciprocation. And now that's a filter of all the, the people uh, that I don't judge, but they don't get anything else from me. You know what I mean? Like they just don't like you, you want me to answer a question? Well, like, no, you've always been enjoying my, I just asked for a simple, like tiny pledge for all this shit that, that I've done. And it's fine. If you don't like my content, don't, but if you do, if you listen to it every day, also fine, but I'm not doing anything else extra and, and it works. And that's why it's, I got this community of people that are, that are like me. And like the biggest issue this morning was, two fucking guys trying to send each other money and like they're being stubborn over no you take the money you take the money. like this like good problems to have you know what i mean like it's just so that's i don't know for for anybody that finds himself in that cycle of feeling like they're being taken advantage of there's an easy test for the people who are constantly reaching out to you just start asking them for things not like money free things that are relatively easy to do. And if they are not willing to reciprocate, stop having contact with them. They're just leeches. They're going to take and take and take, and they're never going to give anything back. That's, that's a very, that's cool. I like that test. Uh, And it's just, you know, opposites attract positively charged things, attract negatively charged things, whatever. It's, it's real. Right. But, uh, and also just to, just something, a side note to that is that we all go through times when we're a little self-absorbed, myself included, where you, you're you not as uh, communal as you normally are. And that happens. Things come up in life. and But then if people never come out of that cycle, that's when it's time to pull the plug on them, in my opinion. So let people go into that cycle and either back away or tell them or whatever and, but if they never come out, then yeah, you gotta, you gotta protect yourself. Yeah. You gotta cut the cord. My cycle always, my downward cycle. Like if I'm feeling healthy, if I start moving, trending towards being more depressed or sad, the first thing I do is I cut off contact with everyone. I stop really communicating with the outside world. And, you know, I start thinking about all the suffering in the world. That's what, that's what gets me down is like thinking about all the people being taken advantage of thinking about how all the stuff in Walmart gets there. Um, why am I shirt that's made in Bangladesh cost $10 and was made all the way across the world with somebody that's getting paid almost nothing and working, you know, walking four miles to work every day, like just all of the human rights issues on the planet and, and then the planet too, how we just destroy our planet. And, you know, whatever, let's, uh, let's take as much as we possibly can and ruin the planet for our future generations. And who really cares? All these things, that's what weighs on me, but they're all unsolvable. And I think that's why they weigh on me so heavily. Yeah. My, my, uh, advice would be accept it, accept what the world is and do what you can do to control your world right like well just just do what you can do to to feel good inside and that's kind of what I do and and like my community is not huge it's 100 people right now it grows like every day I it's I have more people supporting me but like 100 choose to be in the community 
And, but it feels like my whole world, aside from my kids and like, you know, people I, I spend time with, it feels like my whole world. So I'm kind of like, oh, it works. It, it gives you that, that good feeling inside. So you can, you can kind of follow that model if, it, if you think it works. I think it's, for me, what works is just acceptance. Just, I just accept that this is the way things are and go about my life. And yeah. um, not get upset about the jungle man ghosting thing because that to me is like, like I said on Twitter, number one billion on the things that I worry myself with or think about or am concerned about in the world. So like, it's so insignificant. Well, I just can't find myself. Caring. It's a matter. It's a matter of very wealthy people losing some money. Like, there's just not a lot of sympathy for the wealthy. No. Right. Yeah. It's not and. It doesn't mean it's right or wrong, but the feeling inside is like, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't, it's not, this not getting me going at all. Like, you know, it's, it, it it's was not surprising very... and it's, and it's tough when you don't have sympathy for the, the victims. Like they're wealthy and they probably got their wealth doing similar type things. And, you know, you know. Dan Bilzerian's dad stole a bunch of money and gave it to him as an inheritance. Like, yeah, I'm going to feel real bad about that dude losing some money. Like it's, you, you can't find a less sympathetic victim, I think, than Dan Bolzarian. Yeah. I don't know much about him, but it's just, it's also, and, and, and jungle man just comes off kind of like himself. I don't, I don't pay much attention to, I don't follow him or anything, but like comes off like himself, like smart kid. Now going through this like transition of wanting to be with women, all this shit. Like, it's just kind of, it's, I don't know. He doesn't seem he he's hard to root against, you know what I mean? Even though, but that's just the way it is. I don't know. <laughs> he is hard to root against. He's sort of like, he's an anti-hero in the, in the poker world. Um, and he's trying to find himself too, right? A lot of people yeah. don't, don't think about the fact that, you know, jungle's 30 years old. Like Tough age. he is, he's a kid still. And he's a kid who has grown up in online poker, which by the way, they don't teach you, integrity classes about online poker or poker or principles like all of these things we've had to kind of police and learn ourselves as a community so it's no wonder that <laughs> jungle is uh he's trying to find his own happiness his own path in the world um so you know whatever it, yeah i mean and you could think about his screen name and and kind of uh, it's kind of interesting to think about the screen name and it's like what we've been, well, just like what we've been talking about, like it's this poker world isn't this clean, glamorous thing. It's kind of the fucking jungle. Like it just kind of is, right? And that's just the reality of it. It's Mad Max it's just, to me. Like yeah. I'm not sure if I said that earlier before we started recording, but I'm gonna say it again. The landscape of poker looks like Mad Max and Fury Road, just a wasteland with a bunch of crazy people who are all trying to kill each other and steal each other's resources. <laughs> like that's how, that's how I view it in jungle. He's the hype man. You know, he's the dude with the guitar standing on the, the vehicle <laughs> going to war. Um, it's getting everybody hyped up. Yeah. It, it just is what it is. It's not, I don't, I'm kind of fond of the poker world, but it's not a place I want to be entrenched in uh, <laughs> anymore. I have been for too long. I like the poker world. I like a lot of the people. I always have a good time with my guests and you, the audience, my listeners that are listening right now, 
I want to do everything in my power to help you, which involves right now just not promoting any platform because I think it's too risky and they're all bullshit. None of them care about the players. And over time, maybe one will show itself that I can trust and feel like I can support and then I'll be more than happy. But until that happens, like my goal, my job is to take care of my listener and pass on the wisdom that I have gained and also facilitate the wisdom that folks like yourself have gained from this game. And in my mind, you know, you do your guys a lot of service by telling them the truth because the truth was not a linear process for us to figure out. And it, it was not a linear path. We had it's to not learn. not popular either. The truth is definitely not popular. No, we learned through experience. We learned through our own shortcomings, our own, just dumpster fire of situations in life. Yeah. But I mean, like for the, for the casual player, it's a lot more exciting to believe that there's, it's this great thing of I'm going to go in there. It's going to be fair. I'm going to run it. I'm going to play better and run it up. And it's, it's not that (laughs) it's not that fairy tale, but it is interesting in its own way. It's, it's it can be that fairy tale though. If somebody is talented enough and wants to work hard, they can do it. And what else? What else? They run hot. They run hot. I don't think so. I think you give me a, give me a, give me a tenacious 20 year old that wants to live, breathe, eat poker, consume all poker strategy, make themselves into a, a warrior. They can go broke. They'll get a job. They'll make more money and they'll keep plugging away. And eventually they'll make money. Like eventually they'll have an opportunity. Okay. But have an opportunity to make money is different than they will just climb to the top of the poker world. Oh, the, the top of the poker world. You're not going to go get there overnight. Most people are not going to get there in a year, two years. Well, it's not like boxing or something where if you're the best boxer, you're going to work. Your... No, you're going to have to run good. Like I will happily fade anyone. You could take the best, find me the best 20 year old poker player in the world. And I will, you know, I won't, I won't like doing it, but I'll fade them on a, on a odds level. I will fade them rising to the top. Well, the problem is, is not just about ability and talent. We have all of these other things that we've talked about in this episode specifically that you have to navigate successfully. And most people don't have that grit. Most people just want to give up. Grit, resilience, same thing, I guess. Uh, yeah, you got to run good, man. You got to run good in, the, in those big pots. I, I interviewed uh, someone from the community, Irie guy, and he had, he took his uh, case 70 K to a, a big, a 10, 10 K buy-in and he was down his first six buy-ins and he had his last 10 K out there and there were three hands left of the night. And if he, you know, he's a big dog to come out of that game with much money and he's going to be back to playing small. Well, he uh, 8X'd his t- last 10K on the last hand of the night or whatever with a horrible hand with 4-4 four, four, uh, Queen Jack on in Omaha high-low <laughs> like, and pair of fours won. And like just like – it's just the most insane story ever. And yes, good player, good good soft skills, all that. But you got to bink those, those turning points or you can – 
And if you break those turning points, if you're the favorite and all that and you lose, that's, that's hard. But Let's break this down step by step, though. Dude took his 70K, yeah. bought in for 10K, and dusted seven bullets. I mean, he's he, not he's rolled a, for that game, right? Well, no, but he, he's, a, he's a doctor. He doesn't – that's his bankroll, right? It's not his life role. He has a good job. He's, been, he's fine. It's, I, I agree with being super aggressive. That's why I think people should have their own jobs and have their poker on the side. You can be as aggressive as you want. Chase poker greatness, as someone once said. Go ahead. Yeah, but just – sure, being, being good is really going to help. Being gritty, all those things. You're going to need luck. You just are, but so what? That's part of it. That's what makes it interesting. I think. In, the, in the long term, you will need luck. This dude had seven buy-ins, so it's a crapshoot as to whether or not he's going to come out ahead. The dude, you know, the, the 22-year-old stud that's got 70K that's going to play 5'10", that dude Where, ain't. Where is he going to play 5'10"? Well, I don't know. I mean, Where are those Ve- games Vegas, Los, Los Angeles, <laughs> Florida. Like just- those games might not even be here next year. It's, it's like it's just getting so much smaller. Well, I can't predict the future. <laughs> I, yeah. I can't predict the future. Um, no, but, but no, but eventually that guy's going to have to go upstairs and sit in a, a game with a couple other good players and one whale, and he's going to have to put a lot of his role on the line. And he's going to have to run good. If he doesn't run good, he's going to be sent back down. And how many times can he be sent back down? And, yeah, I don't know. But I do like the idea – I like the idea of chasing poker greatness a lot more than I like the idea of enhance your edge, right? <laughs> because chase poker greatness, but do it the right way. And sure, the beauty of it is anyone that has any sort of clue could be, you know, find that greatness. They could win the main event next year. What does no- poker look like to you? A poker utopia, your, your own personal utopia. You have a poker room. What does that room look like? How do you make it as fun for the players and as good for the players as you possibly can? Depends where you are. Like if you're in Vegas, you have you get to hey. pick the location, man. This is your this is your okay, playground. If I had a poker room, I would. I know, like the, the I, this is why I suck at business, but I know, like in business, you're supposed to maximize profits and whatever. But that just works against poker players. You can make a shitload of money charging a very fair rake, not j- jacking it up all the time. So I would I would charge very fair rake. And you have a trillion dollars, so money money is no object for you. Yeah, well then I would. You know, it's not it's not hard. It would be very nice. It would be fun. It would be kind of. Did you ever go to the Hard Rock Poker Room back in the day? Which one? The one in Las Vegas. I have not played very much poker in Vegas. It was it was poker utopia. It was uh, a little bit dark. There was a nice lounge in there. You could still see your cards. The lighting was just like great. It was dark, but you could see the the cards. Um, they played music, and people gambled and had fun. And uh, it just it was impossible to be nitty in there. It was just like too loud, too many straddles. And it was just everyone that was there had fun. It just got mismanaged. Uh, but that was it. That's the example. What happens when you've got, you know, four guys that are cool, that are part of your crew, they're in a game and they're playing against three nits who are not giving anything back. They're just purely taking. Well, so the one thing that strikes a chord with some people 
is that I always speak out against nits, the people that aren't going to give anything back. And those are the ones that hear my shit and they'll hear this and they'll go in my thread tomorrow and say something like, you're a piece of shit dad. You know what I mean? Like something like that. Right. So, but I do believe, and I don't like confrontation more than anyone else. Like I don't, but I do get in lots of confrontations in the, at the, at the poker table and online and whatever I will, because I believe you have to stand up to those people. You, they have to, they have to not get action. They have to be, they have to be chastised if they're ruining the, the game. And they, what happens very, very often is they learn and they change. Um, I know that this one player in Vegas, I said straddle because I, you know, I was building the game and someone said, this guy will never straddle. And the guy straddle, like he, you know, you just like, he probably said, well, and, and now he thinks differently. Now I play with him and he's the one straddling and talking. And like, now this guy is, a good player, winning money, good for the game. And it took me, it was easy with him. I just had, I just had, but sometimes you have to like tell people like you just have to be a vigilante. So the four people need to tell the three people change or we're not playing with you. We're not giving you action. <laughs> tell the floor guy to go. What? Like no mess with them. No, the, the players, no, the players have to manage that. You have to chastise people who, who want to take and not give. And I'm thinking and, about your poker room, man. You, you own it. You're watching it happen and they're not speaking up. You're going to, you're going to exert some authority on them. Oh no. I mean, if you're going to be passive in this life, that's on you. The blueprint is there. Uh, I, I think I've provided a blueprint for live poker for over eight years now. And it's, you have to be good for the game. You take the person with a disposable income, you give them something worth their while, right? A fun time, R-rated conversation. You just like the shit, the escape they want, right? And they're happy to lose to you. They are in general. They are. And the ones that want the money but don't want to give it. So if you're giving the money, that's usually enough, right? You can be an asshole. But if you're taking money, cannot be an asshole. You have to be the opposite. You have to be funny. And if you're not... And people say, well, I'm, I'm an introvert. Okay, well, then do other things, like offer to flip anytime someone wants, right? Neutral EV stuff. you got to give in certain ways. Uh, and I, I'm introverted, and I've never had problems engaging with people at a poker table. Yeah, but I, I assume there are people that are much more introverted than you are. That It's real. Some people have social awkwardness, or, or I used to have it when I was younger, and I get it. So you don't have to be the one cracking jokes. I'll do that, right? But you also, when the guy that's losing every hand, it's clear he has a good hand and everyone folds and you have 70s offsuit in the big blind or hopefully the straddle, you better, you better ask him, you want action? I have a horrible hand, right? And if he says yes, you call and then you can fold on the flop or whatever and show that's giving something, right? It's costing you in a, in a vacuum in the moment, but overall it's, it's going to earn you lots and lots of money uh, that you may or may not light on fire. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's a good long-term, it's a good long-term play. Everybody yeah, feels good, right? It feels good. And it doesn't, it feels good when you know you gave someone value for their 5k. Uh, When's the last re- time you went off on a knit? What'd they do? That oh, man. Genuinely it's... made you angry. Uh, 
you can you can hear it in in almost any episode it's there there's so many things it's you know the the whales going off and i don't say whale as a derogatory term i say whale as like that's what i want to be right i want to be the guy that this is funny money to me i know you guys are trying to you know some of you are trying to at least supplement your income that's cool make it fun or fuck you uh, but that guy's going off and he obviously is bluffing and the pro won't turn over his dumb hand, you know, because there's a chance he wants to know what the guy had. It's just, you have to, there are so many examples of people not conceding tiny little, ed- you have to concede little edges. I don't know one great live player that doesn't concede many, uh, tiny edges. People consider Garrett probably the best live player right now concedes little edges all the time. He's talking all the time, doing whatever, doing props. Does that help him play a hand against someone? No, it does the opposite, but does it help him get action for the next time? It does. Does he make a lot of money? He does. For sure. You you have to give something back. Um, Little bits and pieces, wherever you can. To be honest, funny, be funny. The little bits of edge that you give back are not going to make a significant difference in your, yearly win rate as a matter of fact if you don't give any of them back you're not going to be in the games a lot and you're not going to have friends <laughs> you're not going to be very popular and it's going to cost you a lot more money it's going to cost you money and you're going to feel like garbage inside but the good news is i was clueless when i was younger and has you anybody ever so just done something like so out of line that you just like went ballistic on them at the table no. Do you know who Muhaha is? No, I don't. Okay, he's kind of a Vegas character. He's the only person that I ever uh, tried to come across the table at. Well, he just was saying out-of-line stuff, personal stuff. Uh, but no, other than that, I try and – I just challenge people to heads up. That's the great equalizer, right? Like, if you're a smug, knit, new pro, and, yeah, you're on a heater, you can't even – fathom you will in a couple of years probably realize oh shit this isn't how it is i don't flop a set every time in this five-way fucking bloater uh so that that's always my go-to is is well like if you you do think you're good like i don't even care about being good but do let's play like let's see right like let's see when when folding isn't a huge strategy you know what i mean like let's see when playing becomes the strategy how are you gonna do is it all memory? Is it, did you study or are you good at this fucking game? So, yeah. <laughs> I remember you and Garrett battling heads up. I was like in my room, I, I'd probably taken a sleep aid and was like walking to the little convenience store in commerce and like stopped by the high limit section. I saw you and Garrett playing heads up. And I just remember there is, you played a massive pot and like Garrett turned over like King seven off. <laughs> and I remember you just looking at that hand and you were like, that's a good hand. <laughs> that, that's a hand worthy of $1,700 pre or something. <laughs> yeah, he did beat you. It was just some snarky, snarky, silly comment that you made that made me laugh in the moment. I don't, I don't even remember playing him heads up because we became friends pretty quickly. And we did play a lot of three-handed and stuff. And a lot of, yeah, a lot of times like, holy shit. I remember... Yeah, I, I called one time in just this enormous pot for me, not for him, but for me. I've never had a bankroll, but for me it was big, like maybe 20K pot or whatever. And 
he wasn't even bluffing. He was just like going, and I was like kind of hero calling you, but it was just like, what? It was just insane. It was just, uh, but yeah, you gotta, you gotta have fun, right? You gotta make comments when, when someone busts your entire role in King seven offsuit, cause they have a role and they're disciplined and all that. You gotta, you gotta just, wow. That's a, that's a good, that's a good <laughs> man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just be cool, man. I think that's, always my creed as a poker player just be cool to the people you're around and you know you are experiencing something right you are having an experience while you're at the table and that experience can be good or bad and it is worth something it's not worth money but at the end of the day you spend 10,000 hours playing live poker I really hope you had fun doing it and you enjoyed it because that's a significant part of your life yeah I I had fun at the beginning and then didn't uh, I, I I like heads up and I like really shorthanded, even against really good players. I, you know, that's I actually like the battling. I like being able to, you know, I don't like just always trying to figure out if they can fall. Like that's that gets old. It's profitable, but it gets old. Um, and now my new way of enjoying poker is uh, just taking notes on all the characters and then trying to tell the story in my podcast. It's it's made me. I couldn't even tolerate poker for a while. And now I can tolerate it again because I look at it as, oh, this will be at least be like good for the story. And, you know, we'll take some people's minds away. Hopefully when I put it down. Yeah. It's just a different lens in the way that you approach and look at the game from your earlier self. Yeah. I am not currently chasing poker greatness, uh, but I do Greatness is relative, sir. It's an abstract term and can mean many different things to many different people. I'm chasing podcast greatness. That's what I want. That's, that's where my passion is. Um, and like community builder greatness. Those are, you know, and fatherhood greatness. But I don't, I don't have the, the fire. For, I'm not chasing poker greatness. I'll still play anyone heads up if they're acting like a dickhead. But, uh, and I'll, I'll dig deep and find that fire. But I guess, yeah, I'm just like, trying to get flush one more time and then get out. <laughs> That's just the truth. <laughs> I want to be the facilitator uh, to poker greatness to the people that want to be the best version of themselves that they can be. I want to, I want to help them and put them, hopefully give them the opportunity to get put in a place where they can succeed. So, Oh, I, I'm not saying I don't believe in it. I believe in, I believe in, it the right way it's exciting right i believe if you're a doctor and you have 70k and you get invited to a game that's 10k buy-in go right because you know you gotta you gotta live your life right and, and it's do you love dangerous. the game do you love like the actual game of poker anymore just the mechanics of it no i see my, my thing is i did like it i, I loved it i loved playing it um i think with the pre-flop aggression that just came, whatever it came, it's made it so high variance. If I was ever trying to test my strategic abilities, I would get into chess. And actually that's a, that's another thing I look forward to doing. If, if, and when I do come up again is I will want to battle in chess, see how good I can be. Right. That's where you battle, right? That's where you don't need soft skills. You just, and the best player wins. And, but no poker for so long has just been a way for me to, you know, give my kids a great life and just, you know, meet a bunch of amazing people and some, some great people and some like 
evil people and everything in between. And they're all interesting, man. There's a lot of, for as much bad as I've said about the poker world, there are a lot of kindred spirits. It draws people that are, that are kind of misfits in the real world, like myself. Fuck. I don't, I don't belong in the real world. Uh, so that's why I found the poker world and hopefully the, the content game will, will do what poker used to do for me. Cool, man. Yeah. I, uh, I do love poker still and I do enjoy the comp- competitive aspect of it. That's what fires me up about all the bullshit that's going on in the online poker world is because it's changing the way, you know, my, the picturesque view that I have, you know, the, my ideal view of poker is changing that and it's making it something that is not really even poker anymore. And that to me is, you know, it's horrible. It's criminal, but hopefully maybe one day we can get it changed in the future. Who knows? But, uh, whatever. Yeah, at least we gave people some stuff to think about. Sure. We didn't saw, I don't think we solved anything, but we gave them stuff to think about. Yeah. We're not going to solve anything. That's the, <laughs> that's the, well, we have to accept it. We have to solve the things that we have direct control over. And that to me is sending people to training sites or the place where I think they'll get the most value and will help them the most and protecting them from the shady operators that are the nits of the business poker world. I have had many opportunities to promote and have declined all of them as well. I accepted one early on PKC because I knew the people and I trusted them and yeah, that didn't work out so well. Um, (laughs) No, that did not work out so well at the end of the day, at the end, at the end of the day, they basically decided that the U S wasn't viable and pulled services, paid everybody back. Um, Nobody lost any money, but I dedicated tens of thousands of dollars into hiring a team and marketing and everything. And they basically, kicked me in the ass on the, the way out and said, yeah, it didn't work out. Fuck off. Mm. Yeah. That's very common in this world. Whereas, whereas for six months, if I would have just been in the games, firing up six tables a day, taking as much as I possibly could, I would have made a hell of a lot more money. But you wouldn't, you wouldn't feel good. I mean, you wouldn't feel you were trying. It's just, it wasn't you, man. Like you wanted to do this, like, get people on this good app or whatever it was. And oh, I took money. <laughs> I, I did yeah. crush it for six months straight. I did take yeah. money and I saw it as a decent opportunity for people that uh, I felt good about sending them, sending them there. But like the reality was, you know, I wanted to do a good thing that was in, in alignment with me and also was monetarily rewarding and hopefully good for the poker community and good for the business. And what, ended up happening was I learned the lesson that at the end of the day, if I would have just been predatory and wanted to take as much as I possibly could, that would have been by far the more profitable route. Well, that's what I meant to say is you're not predatory. Sometimes I wish I were. (laughs) You're not. (laughs) And I have a good idea. I have a good idea for this. So this, I'm not going to release this on mine. But what I'll do is, are you going to release this in two parts? Probably not. I'll probably just release it in one. Man, people can't handle more than an hour. I, I suggest two. But man, but what is this? This is like the the podcast coaching hour. It is. I, they can't. 
I mean, doesn't your brain just start to like melt after an hour listening to someone? They just they just pause it and then they start it up again. I'm not like you. This is coming from the man that puts out seven hours of content a week. I'm releasing one episode that's two hours. They just okay. pause, pause it, and come back to it. All right. So you're doing okay. But what I'll do is we're gonna get a line the day that you're gonna release this. I'll just release a 10 second thing telling my listeners, here's the pod for the day. Go to Chasing Poker Greatness. And I think that'll be kind of cool. So they'll get their drop, normal drop in sessions, and then they'll have to go to Chasing Poker Greatness. And then that's good, man. Maybe you'll, you'll get it. Need I need the competition, man. I need you to get on those, those downloads. Come on. How many downloads we at? Where's, where's sessions at nowadays? I think quarter million downloads a year. So no, I mean, no more. The first year was a hundred thousand. Oh, sorry. Not quarter million. The first year was a hundred thousand. The second year quarter million. Yeah. So it's going, or maybe three. What's the daily downloads, man. Come on. Not the overall. How many are you getting every day? Every day. Depends. It depends when I, when I release my individual stuff, where I talk about how fucking like horrible I am at the real world, but good at a few things. People like that. So that even during Corona, that gets over a thousand, I think. And certain get every guest gets about 600, I think. And some get more. Um, I'm yes. coming after you. I'm, gonna, I'm moving more towards the, the daily show and on release days, I'll get about 600 downloads and listens combined and then it'll slowly go down to about 300 a day until the next release and i've been doing one a week but i'm gonna gonna get on the daily release train and give this podcasting thing a full-time shot good man that's that's chasing some greatness right there man it's been fun yeah are you feeling any better did you get any did you get any of that venting out no oh, not really uh, i mean it's still, it's in me. It's just, it's going to be in me for a while. This mm-hmm. feeling that something's got to change and the people who can exert the pressure and make people change are the players. And we need to band together in some way, shape or form to put an end to the bullshit, the shenanigans and mm-hmm. make, make poker great again. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been I've been on that for a while. DGF, it's been fun. Let's uh, let's do this. Fuck it, let's do this very often, once a month maybe. Catch up, yeah. See how each other are going. Give each other a piece of content. Make life easier. Yeah, we'll take turns for sure. So so yeah, at three a.m., my listeners are going to get a little note that uh, they can find the spew for the day over at Chasing Poker Greatness. Okay. So if you could release at that time, that would be fantastic, but it's up to you. (laughs) Take care, man. All right, peace.